seed that we carry with us, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus is a fragile seed. It's a fragile seed only in the sense that it was broken intentionally for us. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. I am going to read from Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on a shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. This is the word of God. Ryan and I were having a conversation several weeks ago about agriculture and poetry, two subjects we share an interest in. And he asked me to share the gist of that with you this morning. As some of you know, I grew up on a ranch in far west Texas during a drought. And because of that drought, my father was passionate about growing grass. He would spend days harvesting desirable grass seed, often in the bar ditches, to scatter on the ranch when he rode. He made special saddlebags for all the saddles so that whenever any of us rode, we were to broadcast seed along the way. He told us to especially throw some at the base of mesquite bushes we passed because it would be less likely to blow away. In my youthful ignorance, I once commented that I had not seen any results from the grass seed I had spread. And I thought maybe we were wasting our time. But he told me in his quiet, patient manner that it might be years before the seeds germinated, that they could lie there in the sandy soil and wait years for the perfect conditions to sprout. It's part of God's wonderful plan that a seed comes into existence as the plant is dying. And that seed carries within it all the nutrients it will need to begin new life when it finds the right conditions. Some seeds even have the ability to travel long distances or to cling to surfaces, all part of God's plan. Many years later, I proudly watched 
my father received recognition for his conservation work on the ranch. He had managed to cover the sandy hills of the 42-section ranch by broadcasting seed as well as by covering grass runners on his hands and knees. A culmination of hope, faith, and hard work, which still reaps benefits for us today since we've taken over the ranch. I realize now that my father modeled for me the way God works. God plants us like a seed, provides the right conditions for us to grow into a spiritual being, and then waits patiently for the moment we become a part of his kingdom. We are experiencing a drought of many different facets right now. Disease, economic stress and hardship, political conflict and rioting, natural disasters. It struck me recently that although the world that Jesus walked in was full of disease, economic stress, political chaos, and natural disasters, just like our world today, Jesus never mentioned them. He focused on the human heart, how we treat each other, how we could become part of God's kingdom. There are people suffering depression and fear today because they've lost hope for a future that's peaceful and healthy. When I begin to give in to these worries and fears, I remember my father's faith in the ability of seeds to grow when the conditions are right. I remember that we are God's seeds created to become spiritual beings, sending out our own seeds of hope and faith to others. One of the poets I taught in senior English was Gerald Manley Hopkins. Ryan quoted from one of his poems recently. He was a Jesuit priest during the Victorian period whose poetry focused on nature and God. Sometimes he had doubts and questioned God's judgment, but his faith always prevailed. One line from one of his poems has stayed with me all these years, has even been a source of prayer for me in times of worry and stress. The poem was titled, Thou Art Indeed Just, Lord, and Ryan put it in the bulletin. Specifically, the title comes from Psalm 119, verse 137, in the King's English, Righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. I won't read the poem to you. It was hard for my senior English students, and you don't want me to go into that. But the gist of the poem was saying, Lord, I know that you're a just God, but why do sinners prosper 
and I fail? Why do birds build nests, but I don't build anything worthwhile? Why do I work so hard, and still I'm not able to produce anything that lives and grows? The line that I've remembered for so long is the final line. O thou Lord of life, send my roots rain. To me it means, Lord, I know you've planted the seeds of faith in me. Nurture my faith so that it can grow during this crisis and through this crisis. Would you pray with me? Father, bless us. We know your desire for us to be holy so we can be in relationship with you. We know you've given us the gift of faith and grace to overcome our sin. Help that faith to grow in us daily to bring us closer to you. Create in us a pure heart. Renew in us a steadfast spirit. Restore to us the joy of your salvation and grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. Father, heal our nation. Comfort those who suffer. Bless Ryan and his message for us today and guide us in ways to reach out to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Cindy. Um, I could kind of get used to this two-part preaching deal. So, uh, Colin, I had to follow Colin last week. I got to follow Cindy this week. Uh, So it's making it kind of hard on me. But at least if you go to sleep right now, you'll have already got a really good sermon to carry home with you uh, at this point. But um, I hope you heard those words and the heart that they come from. You know, Cindy is, in addition to being uh, a great teacher, she is a sower. Uh, just like that. Like she talked about her dad out there, and that's how she shares the word, uh, not only through her classes that she teaches, but just in the way that she lives and the way that she prays. Uh, So Cindy, thank you for being that person among us. That's what we need right now. And so uh, we're lucky and fortunate to have good examples of all of that. So that same day, Jesus went out of the house you ever just want to get out of the house? You know, this is, this is what's happening. It gets, it gets hard. It's been hard for several weeks. And Jesus gets out of the house, and he sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the crowd stood on the beach. He told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. If someone were to write a book about us, a children's book or just a regular book, if they were to write a story about our church 50 years from now, I can't think of any better title to hope for than the church that went out to sow. I'm going to tell you a story today, kids. This is about the church that went out to sow. Wouldn't that be great if that's how we were known? The church that went out to sow. 
these, these chapters here in Matthew 13, 14, we're going to go into 15 and 16 for the next several weeks, kind of finish out this middle of the summer. Uh, we're doing a series called Lakeside with the Rabbi. One of the places everybody likes to go during the summer to get away is the lake. That's one of the places that Jesus went to get away, and people would follow him there. So here he is sitting in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, this is an actual photo in this graphic from uh, a trip that Jenny took. Uh, and there's the Sea of Galilee, and you can see it there with Jesus somewhere where he would have been. And Jesus sits down in the boat. It's not only a posture of authority, the rabbis would sit down to teach, but it just kind of for us has that conversational tenet about it, right? We see Jesus sit down and we say, okay, Jesus is having a conversation with us, and he begins to speak to us in parables. And we'll talk more about that next week. But he's explaining to the disciples and to everybody who's followed him down there, this is what the kingdom of God is like. There are many people who are receiving this word, as you can see, for you all gathered here. And he said, now there's a lot of people that have been, you know, stomping this stuff in the ground. And uh, I'm going to tell you that that's how it's been and part how it's going to be. But we visualize God in this parable as a generous sower. And God has been a sower throughout Scripture. If you think of Isaiah 55, you think of Jeremiah 31, Hosea chapter 2, all places where uh, in the prophets God is seen as someone who's sharing his word like a farmer shares his seed, like he scatters the seed. And we visualize God as a generous sower who's not occupied with the metrics of farming. Now, we have some really good farmers in our congregation uh, and some of us have experienced gardening and doing things. And you read this parable, and you think of the story that Jesus tells. And just like it would have sounded to them, it sounds to us very ridiculous and irresponsible. Because we spend lots of time and money and research to precisely plant our seeds. Where we don't waste any seed, where we don't double plant seed, where we don't skip a spot planting seed and it's spaced out perfectly. That's how we farm, and we keep our expenses to a minimum and we hopefully increase our yields and therefore our profit margin and everybody's happy that's how we farm this parable is intentionally wasteful Jesus is not dealing with less costly seed it's just God is this pictured as this ultimately generous farmer and he's scattering seed everywhere he goes Later in the chapter, Jesus sort of interprets the parable for the disciples, and he says, hey, this is kind of what I'm talking about. He's like, you know, when you scatter seed, some of it falls on hard soil, and, you know, the birds come and steal it away. He says, that's the devil. There's no time for germination. Before it has time to uh, get wet and germinate properly, the birds come, steal it away. That's what the devil does. He says, if you hear the word of God and you don't understand it and you don't receive it, you can bet that the devil is involved. This is the world that we live in. Sometimes seed falls on rocky soil and it shoots up quickly, a nice plant, but there's just not enough depth there to carry the kind of life that germinated to carry it on through a hot summer. Also, there's seed that falls among thorns and those thorns are there and they're competing for water, they're competing for nutrients, they're competing for sunlight, and they choke out anything that was trying to grow. And Jesus explains, he said, this is kind of the false promise of riches. 
and the worldly cares. When we see this in the world and this happens and we, we, we buy into those false promises, the deceit, the lure of riches, this is what happens to us. We were producing fruit and then all of a sudden we bailed on the project. And finally, he describes good soil where seed falls and it produces 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold. He said those are the people that hear the word and they understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. That's what we've got going on. So sometimes you hear this story and you hear these parables and there's a, one of those scenarios that really connects with us when we read it and we say, you know what? I really feel like a person with some rocky soil right now. I really feel like a person with those thorns all around me right now. I can really resonate with that, you know, and it's sort of this work of repentance to say, I, wanna, I want some of those thorns to be cleared out of the way so other things can grow. So you may see yourself in one of these explanations, one of these scenarios where the seed doesn't grow, where ultimately there's no harvest, or where there is a harvest. But back to the heart of our word today, and God's generosity. The church is tasked with the same work as the sower in the parable. And just like in Cindy's story from her youth, we do not need, we sometimes need to be reminded that diligent, beautiful, and extravagant sowing will not very often see immediate results. It takes a long time. And every time we go out to sow seed, we're dealing with Scenario one, scenario two, and scenario three. Every church program that we try, every Bible study that we lead, everything that we try to do to reach the community, we know what it's like. We scatter seed out there, and the birds snatch it up. It just doesn't stay. It grows, and it looks really good, and then it fizzles after one season. Or it grows for a little while, and then just enthusiasm wanes because the depth wasn't there. There were too many thorns, and we get discouraged. 75% of the seed that is sown in the story never amounts to anything. It starts out okay in some cases, but it never bears fruit. It never yields anything. And think of all the things that we've done as a church, who we are as a church, the people that we've prayed for, the people that you've served. It's an encouragement to us. 75% of the time, roughly, uh, we throw seed, we scatter seed, and there may not be a harvest. And the reason that we don't give up, the reason that we continue to walk in the ridiculous pathway of a generous sowing God is because every once in a while, we get surprised. Every once in a while, we're surprised by good soil. And we didn't even see it at the time. We were just scattering seed and it was tucked in back there. We didn't see it. And all of a sudden we come back at the end of the season and there's an abundant harvest. And we say, golly, you know, if you'd have picked all the people in town and you'd have told me that guy, that kid, that person, they were going to be the one that would receive that word and it would transform their life, I would have told you you were a liar. That's never going to happen. How many times have we told that story? How many times have we ended up doing things that we swore we would never do? for the love of God because our hearts were captured by forgiveness and by the generosity of a God that didn't forget us when we were in our darkest place. In 
And just as Jesus surprises us at the end of this parable with a beautiful picture of soil that has a capacity for life, God will surprise the church as we labor. The only way a church can truly fail, you hear people talk about this all the time, that church is dying or that church is failing. The only way that a church truly fails is when we stop, when we stop showing up to gather seed, to hear the word, when we stop carrying the word with us when we leave, when we stop scattering the word at every turn. But may we be a church that is known for our sowing. May we be a church that is known for when times are hard, we make saddlebags, more places to carry seed, and we scrounge for it in places anywhere we can find it, and we scatter it everywhere we go. And we fill the flower beds, and we fill the walking paths, and we fill the compost piles with seed, with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. May we plant seeds in faith and hope and love in every conversation. May the word of Jesus germinate forgiveness in the darkest corners of our lives and our communities and our homes. And may we enter the kingdom of God together with joy. Think of the surprises that might come, that will surely come. Think of the reward. And hear the generous sowing God say, it's worth it. It's worth it. I see this kind of generosity in you. I see this kind of generosity as I watch you in the community. I watch you with your families. And I know some of us get discouraged. I know we've tried things that didn't work. I know we've shared hope and we got spit on in return. And we prayed for people and pleaded with people. And it's fallen on deaf ears. But as we once again venture out today to continue in this work, as we sort of get up off the mat together and we get back out there and work, there was a word from the book of Hebrews that was on my heart this week. It's at the end of chapter 10. And the writer says, Do not therefore abandon the confidence of yours. It brings a great reward. For you need endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. And then he quotes the prophet Habakkuk. He says, For yet in a little while, the one who is coming, this would be Jesus, will come and will not delay, and the righteous one will live by faith. My soul takes no pleasure in anyone who shrinks back. This is us. But we... We are not among those who shrink back and are lost, but we are among those who have faith and are saved. Or we are among those who have faith and we gain our souls. The seed that we carry with us, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, is a fragile seed. It's a fragile seed only in the sense that it was broken intentionally for us. But it's powerful, the most powerful thing in the world in the sense that it's greater than death. The law of the seed is the law of the resurrection. And in a moment, you will hear the words, the body of Christ broken for you. And when you hear those words and you receive that gift, 
Know that that is the generosity of God. And you receive it in order to be whole and then to share it everywhere we go. We're grateful for this gospel surprise. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.